Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the Betters Box. This is BangTheBook.com's MLB betting podcast for Monday, March 16th. I am your host, Adam Burke, and, um, you know, look, obviously we wish we were talking about the NCAA tournament, wish we were talking about Selection Sunday and who got snubbed and who got overseeded and who got underseeded, but with everything going on globally here with the coronavirus outbreak, as we all know, no NCAA tournament, no NBA going on, no NHL, and who knows when Major League Baseball will get going. Uh, Major League Baseball just announcing right before I started recording here that they are going to adhere to that eight-week suggestion from the CDC, which means no gatherings of 50-plus people for the next eight weeks, which means no Major League Baseball at least for the next eight weeks. So maybe May, maybe early June. Obviously, again, we've got to go through spring training. So I don't know what's going to happen with Major League Baseball, but Wanted to get some sort of content out to you here. Try to give you some sense of normalcy here on a Monday. And uh, look, I don't know how often we'll be doing these here in the lead up to whenever the Major League Baseball season begins. Hopefully we still do the betters box here on Mondays and Thursdays. But, you know, we're uh, conserving our resources over at bangthebook.com. So we'll talk about what we can as we can. We're going to do everything we can to get information out there to you. You know, a few NFL articles going up today. The NFL draft is still supposedly on for April 23rd. So we'll be able to talk about betting odds for the NFL draft. We're talking about NFL free agency over there at bangthebook.com as well. Uh, We'll talk horse racing as those events continue, hopefully here for this weekend. So we'll do everything we can over at the website to get you content for the NFL, for college football, for whatever else is going on. But obviously a pretty bare bones schedule right now. As far as the betting side of things goes, Major League Baseball is not going to play 162 games. You know it. I know it. But the 2020 MLB betting guide still has a lot of practical value on a player level, on a team level. Again, obviously, futures prices will move around and change with the limited number of games. Uh, Obviously, you're going to have probably some tighter markets out there for the futures because with a lower number of games, you know, over 162 games, the best teams are going to be the best teams over a hundred games or something like that. Maybe things go a little bit differently. So I'll have to do something here as we get closer to the actual baseball season to update that guide, which I would only do over at bangthebook.com. but you can get the 2020 MLB betting guide over on Amazon. You can get the MLB betting guide in PDF form at bangthebook.com as well. But like I said, I'm not sure what the schedule looks like going forward. We'll try to get out as much content as we possibly can. Um, you know, obviously, uncharted territory here for everybody. And I hope that you and your families are healthy, your friends are healthy, and uh, I'm sure we'll all get through this together. It's just going to be a very, very difficult few months in order to do that. But I did want to come on the air here and do the betters box. I want to talk about some pictures that you can file away in the back of your mind, whether it's for fantasy draft purposes or for betting purposes here once we actually get into the season but wanted to look at some positive regression candidates and some negative regression candidates for you here to check out and of course as you know this and every edition of the betters box presented by our friends over at dsi sportsbook btb and the number 200 is that promo code 100 deposit match bonus for the sportsbook 100 deposit match bonus for the live casino at bet dsi it's only a game until you bet it. And if you have the opportunity as well, lots of sportsbook reviews over at bangthebook.com. 
you know, we got exclusive promo codes for a lot of those different places. And, you know, those are things that help us pay our writers and stuff like that. So if you get the opportunity, if you find something you want to bet on NFL futures or, you know, politics betting or something like that, and you sign up through bangthebook.com, that would certainly help us. And it would help you as well. Getting those uh, promo code offers, getting some extra money for your bankroll there. So just something for you to consider here. If you've got uh, the means and the ability to do that, head over to bangthebook.com and check out our sportsbook reviews and all the other stuff that we have going on over there. But very simply here for the betters box, what I did was I went over to fan graphs and I went under the leaders tab, went to pitching and sorted under the advanced tab by E minus F that stands for ERA minus FIP. And as you know, and I've talked about this uh, in videos for wager talk, I've talked about it in the 2020 MLB betting guide. One of the easiest things you can do in terms of, finding positive or negative regression candidates is to look at the difference between ERA and FIP. And when you see a big difference, a big discrepancy like that, you take it a step forward and you try to look at the reasons why. Why did this pitcher wind up with an ERA higher than his FIP? Why did this pitcher wind up with an ERA lower than his FIP? And then try to see if you can find some reasons to be on or against that guy here in the upcoming season. So we start with Jose Quintana on today's show. Jose Quintana of the Chicago Cubs, 4.68 ERA, 3.80 FIP. Why? Why was Quintana's ERA so much higher than his FIP? The primary reason is because he had a 65.9% left on base percentage. Now left on base percentage is percentage of runners stranded. So Just like the concept of cluster luck that I've talked about before with numbers with runners in scoring position and things of that sort, basically, when a pitcher ends an inning or, you know, if a pitcher leaves a game, what is the percentage of runners that were stranded? And over the course of the season, league average is around 72 or 73%. Well, in the case of Jose Quintana, under 66%. So what that tells me is that Jose Quintana had a very difficult time closing out innings. He had a difficult time getting through innings, getting those outs that he needed to strand those runners. Now, year over year, there can be some level of correlation in left on base percentage. Really, what you're looking for is that guys with a high strikeout rate can sustain above average left on base percentages. Guys with a below average strikeout rate oftentimes do fail to strand runners because You you get balls in play, anything can happen. Strikeouts, nothing's in play. The inning ends, no one goes anywhere. So for Quintana, you know, he is a guy that has an okay strikeout rate. It was down a little bit over the last couple of years here. But last year, he just got unlucky for the most part. Now, with that being said, would I project his ERA to drop down into the 380 range? No, I would not. Last year for Quintana, a 326 batting average on balls in play. That's 22 points higher than his career average and 44 points higher than where it was in 2018. Now, in 2018, Quintana had a 443 FIP. He walked more guys. He gave up more home runs. So Quintana is probably somewhere in the middle. He probably winds up with a FIP somewhere between 380 and 443. So probably in the 415 type of range and probably an ERA in a similar range as well. Maybe 415, 420 
something like that. So Quintana will be better, but not as good as his FIP from last year would suggest, at least based on my interpretation of the numbers of what we're seeing there with his statistical profile. A guy like Rick Porcello is another one here. Rick Porcello last year, a 552 ERA, 476 FIP. Why the high ERA? A 65.7% left on base percentage. So Porcello is another guy that just didn't get out of innings, didn't strand runners, and that's going to drive up your ERA. So he is something of a positive regression candidate and furthermore goes from Fenway Park to City Field, gets out of the American League East. That's something that should help him as well. Even though the National League East does have some pretty good offensive teams, City Field, not the same ballpark as Fenway Park. However, fewer ground balls for Porcello, which Porcello's at his best when he's inducing ground balls. Strikeout percentage drop. I don't like the command profile. Maybe the Mets make some adjustments. Maybe the Mets are able to figure some things out with him. I do think Porcello is better. Do I think Porcello is good? No. But he had the second biggest ERA minus fifth discrepancy, so he winds up being second on the list here. Herman Marquez, 476 ERA, 406 fifth, 68.1% left on base percentage. Now, Marquez, as we know, as I talked about during my five and fly segment with the National League West, has big home and road splits. Marquez is terrible at home and very good on the road. As long as he's a member of the Colorado Rockies, that's probably not going to change. So Marquez should be better from an ERA standpoint. But again, obviously, it depends on where his starts are going to be. And furthermore, if we've only got 100 games here this season, that means starters are going to have about 20 starts apiece or so. So smaller sample sizes, uh, you know, a little bit more variance in terms of ERA, where a bad start's going to hang with a guy for a long period of time something like that. So, you know, we're going to have to take these numbers into the proper context as we go forward here. But the fact of the matter is that I think a guy like Herman Marquez will improve to a degree. But again, because of his home performances, it's not like all of a sudden he's going to wind up being an elite pitcher or something like that. Here's a clear-cut buy candidate, and that's Noah Syndergaard of the New York Mets. 428 ERA, 365th. For Syndergaard last year, a 68.9% left on base percentage. And again, as I've talked about just a second ago, guys with higher strikeout rates can generally sustain a higher left on base percentage. When you look at Noah Syndergaard last year, he got very unlucky with stranding runners because his home run rate went up from 7.8% to 13.3%. And obviously you go for a home run, it cleans off the bases. So for Syndergaard here, he is a big-time positive regression candidate, a strikeout percentage increase last year, made 32 starts and stayed healthy. He's one of those guys that is a primary reason why I like the New York Mets this year because that's a guy that should get better. And again, a lot of these oft-injured starters with a smaller workload now for this season, and again, obviously we'll see how things set up with the preparations for the year, spring training, so on and so forth. But these guys that don't have to throw 200 innings, these guys that can give you 115 or 120 really, really good innings, those are guys that are going to be by candidates for me. Noah Syndergaard all over that list. So left on base percentage should go up. Home run per fly ball percentage should go down, 
with a different baseball. Strikeout rate should stay high. A lot of things to like here about Noah Syndergaard heading into the 2020 season, whenever that may begin. Joe Musgrove of the Pittsburgh Pirates, 444 ERA, 382 FIP. Musgrove, a guy with a 63.2% left on base percentage, among the lowest in Major League Baseball. Now, here's the thing about a guy like Musgrove. This has been an ongoing problem. Year in and year out, he's had low left on base percentage marks. So maybe this is just an issue for him. Maybe finishing innings is difficult. Maybe his mechanics from the stretch continue to be off. Something like that. In a shorter burst now, though, where maybe he doesn't have to be healthy for as long, I'm cautiously optimistic about a guy like Musgrove, who was already dealing with some nagging injury concerns in spring training, also had a velocity increase, I believe. Uh, But that's a guy that, if he ever strands runners at a league average rate, he's going to be very, very good. And when you look at a lot of these names that I'm talking about here, these are guys where the lines are going to move on them. Because they have these ERA and FIP discrepancies, the markets will buy in expecting this positive regression. Noah Syndergaard's lines are going to move a ton. Joe Musgrove's maybe not so much because the Pirates aren't are going to be any good, but because he's a positive regression guy, we'll probably see our fair share of line moves on the Musgrove side. So that is something that you want to factor into the equation. Another guy here who actually was very, very good last season is Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn of the Texas Rangers had a 367 ERA with a 313 FIP. So Lance Lynn could have been even better last year based on his FIP. Big strikeout percentage increase, excellent strikeout to walk ratio, home run per fly ball percentage dropped all the way down to 9.9%. Very, very good in the highest home run season ever. So there is hope that Lance Lynn can sustain this. There is hope that those career highs in strikeout percentage and his career low in walk percentage do stick around. Now, again, over the course of 162 games and 33 starts, I don't know if that would be the case. But now that we're talking about, you know, maybe 100 games, something like that, maybe this can be the case for Lance Lynn. Maybe Lance Lynn is a guy that can sustain that, uh, you know, increase from last year in production. So that's a guy I'm tentatively looking at as a buy but obviously his prices are going to look much, much different this season than they did last year. Now that list of guys, those six guys I talked about, all qualified pitchers, which means that they were qualified with the minimum amount of innings to qualify for the ERA title. We look at 120 innings as the threshold. A few other guys here, Antonio Senzatella of the Colorado Rockies, 671 ERA, 544 FIP. I am not a fan of the Antonio Senzatella profile. Does not miss bats, walks too many guys, gives up a lot of hits. Not a fan at all of that profile. I think he will still be a pretty bad pitcher this season for as long as this season goes. So Senzatella, not a guy that I would look for positive regression from. Will he be better? Yeah, probably. But if we're talking better, being a 550 ERA, something like that, that's still not something that you want to invest in over the course of the season. Chris Sale, if he's healthy, 440 ERA, 339 FIP. I'm a big buyer in his stock if he's healthy. Maybe this layoff, this extended downtime does get him healthy, gives him the chance to be out there for you know three or four months for the Red Sox, but I don't know. 
you know, that's something that remains to be seen. But if he's healthy, I would be a buyer in the Chris Sale, Chris Sale stock for this season. Finally, other positive regression potentials. Jorge Lopez, a 633 ERA, 555 FIP, but a 482 XFIP and a 465 Sierra. So there are signs of positive regression here. I don't love the stuff profile, low strikeout rate, average walk rate, not a great command profile, not a big believer in Jorge Lopez, but again, a guy where we probably will see some line moves in his favor if the Royals are a really big underdog, and they will be in quite a lot of situations here for this upcoming season. How about some negative regression guys here? As we take a look at some guys that could fall off a little bit, and ultimately, these are the guys I really like to focus on because there are a lot of underlying reasons why guys weren't very good. You know, it could be a command thing. It could have been an injury thing, something like that. Maybe a guy just isn't all that good. In a lot of cases, too, you look at some of these regression candidates using ERA, using FIP, using XFIP. Again, as I've talked about before, the four components of FIP, strikeouts, walks, hit by pitches, and home runs. Well, now in the age of stat cast data, we can see guys that induce a lot of weak contact, guys that induce a lot of hard contact. And obviously it goes without saying that the more weak contact you induce, the better off you're probably going to be. Similarly, the more hard contact you have against, the more difficult it's going to be for you. FIP and XFIP cannot account for contact quality. So that's one of the adjustments that I've made. I've talked about this before on previous Betters Box segments and have even talked about it before on some other podcasts and videos that that was one of the big adaptations in the market over the last few years is that we see a lot of line moves based on ERA, FIP, and XFIP discrepancies. Well, to me, that's why I take it another step forward and look to see, you know, is this guy actually a positive regression candidate is he doing a good job in terms of the contact quality against or is there a reason why he has such a high era is he just giving up a lot of high velocity contact when you look at these negative regression guys more often than not these are things that are probably going to come through because these are these are guys that are getting lucky in a lot of ways we take a look at dakota hudson of the st louis cardinals 335 era 493 FIP, 78.1% left on base percentage. And Dakota Hudson is a guy with a very high walk rate against, a very low strikeout rate, a high home run per fly ball percentage rate, but that's largely because he induces a lot of ground balls. Now, that's another thing that FIP and XFIP don't really take into account, extremes from a batted ball distribution standpoint. So if you induce a lot of ground balls or you induce a lot of fly balls, FIP and XFIP can't really account for that. Keep in mind, XFIP is FIP regressed to a league average home run rate. Well, if you're an extreme fly ball guy, it's very hard for you to have a league average home run per fly ball percentage because you induce a lot of fly balls. You know, not all of those fly balls are going to go for home runs. On the flip side, if you're an extreme ground ball guy, maybe you give up some home runs, maybe you don't. But XFIP is going to assume a league average home run per fly ball percentage based on your fly ball rate. And your fly ball rate is very low. So it could skew the number of home runs that it expects you to give up. 
Dakota Hudson is a guy that is an extreme, very, very high ground ball rate. So with that being said, XFIP is never going to paint a very good picture of him. However, as a high ground ball guy, as a low strikeout guy, I look at that 78.1% left on base percentage, and I signal that to be a regression sign. So Dakota Hudson probably won't have a 490 ERA. It probably won't mirror his FIP or his XFIP that was over five, I believe. But his 335 ERA is very likely to go up, probably into that four range. So he is a clear-cut negative regression candidate for me here going into the 2020 season. Mike Fires of the Oakland A's, 390 ERA, 497 FIP, 78.5% left on base percentage. He's a low strikeout guy. He's a pitch-to-contact guy who has big home and road splits. So at home, he's very good. On the road, he's not very good. So all of that tends to kind of balance out a little bit, but it can also skew his FIP and XFIP because if he's allowing a lot of home runs on the road and still allowing home runs at home, but they're of the solo variety, something like that, it's going to drive up his FIP. So do I think Mike Fires is an ERA under four guy for this season? No, I don't. Not at all. 78.5% left on base percentage will not hang around. He will regress. He'll probably be a 420, 425 ERA guy. That can make a big difference over the course of a start or two. So Mike Fires is a guy that I probably will look for opportunities to go against, probably look for those on the road. But as we know, the market would adjust his road price. You almost have to have a different power rating home and road for Mike Fires, just because those differences are so stark in contrast, but still a guy that I will look to fade as we head on into this season. Jeff Samarja is another one of the San Francisco Giants. Jeff Samarja, 352 ERA, 459 FIP, 76.9% left on base percentage with a low strikeout rate. Now he is a high fly ball guy, so there is that. At home, that's going to work out in San Francisco. On the road, it may be a little bit more difficult. But on the road last year, he ran a very, very low batting average on balls in play. I talked about that in the MLB betting guide to where that was one of several reasons why I like the Giants under their season win total. Samarja will regress. And if I get a guy, and I'll talk about this probably on Thursday's show in a little bit more detail, if I get a guy with a high left on base percentage and a low strikeout rate, That is almost an auto fade for me because that's a guy that I just don't see continuing to have a high left on base percentage. You have to miss bats. And I know that contact quality comes into play and whatnot, but you know what? You'll get those 65 mile per hour off the bat bloopers that fall in or those weak grounders that a guy can't make a play on something like that. I want guys that miss bats, man. I need guys that take, their margin for error and elevate it by having fewer balls in play. And in particular, that's very important to me from a left on base percentage standpoint. Jeff Samarja did not have the strikeout rate last year. So he is a fade candidate to me. Mike Leak, another guy, very low strikeout rate, low walk rate, gives up a lot of home runs, 429 ERA, 519 FIP last year. Are the home runs solo or are they with guys on base? If they're solo, he can survive. If they're not, it's a big-time problem. Obviously, plays in Arizona, so you've got the humidor. You've got a very good defensive team. We'll be ready to go now from whatever opening day is after recovering from that fractured wrist. 
Mike Leak is not a guy that I want to back a whole lot. But if I find some value, if I find an opportunity with a team that doesn't hit a lot of home runs, doesn't make a lot of high-velocity contact, something like that, I'm not afraid to go in the face of ERA and FIP regression. But it is obviously something it is part of the discussion when you talk about maybe backing a guy like Mike Leak. Finally, of the qualified pitchers here with big ERA and FIP discrepancies, Julio Tehran. 381 ERA, 466 FIP. This is a guy that the market fades and moss. They do not like Julio Tehran. Due in large part because over the last several years, he's had lower ERAs than his FIP and XFIP. And he definitely has a lower ERA than his FIP and XFIP for his career. He's just one of those guys that can do it. Average strikeout rate, high walk rate, high left on base percentage, 76.6%. He could regress. And that wouldn't surprise me at all. He's also going to a pretty good park factor in Anaheim with a pretty good outfield defense. So maybe that's something that does help him to a degree. But, you know, again, this is a guy that's done this for a long period of time. And maybe the luck runs out. We saw that with a guy like Trevor Williams last year, back-to-back years of just completely outpitching his advanced metrics. Then the bottom fell out, and he was awful last year. So it can happen. We'll see if it happens here with a guy like Julio Tehran and some of these other guys on the list here. But again, when you start to look at these pitchers on an individual level, and we've got plenty of time to do that now, you will find guys that you want to fade. You will find guys that you want to back. And we've got plenty of time to isolate who those guys are right now. Finally, a couple of others here in that 120 inning mix. Zach Davies, 355 ERA, 456 FIP. He's kind of a light version of Kyle Hendricks of the Chicago Cubs, where he's got a very low strikeout rate, but a low walk rate, doesn't allow a lot of home runs, lives on command, 75% left on base percentage last year. Now, maybe that's not sustainable. Now, maybe it is. You know, the Brewers, a very, very good defensive team, maybe going to the Padres does have a negative impact on Zach Davies, but also, too, when he gets pulled from games, The Padres have one of the best bullpens in baseball. So maybe that will help keep his ERA a little bit lower. But Zach Davies is a guy I will watch closely. The markets usually watch him closely as well. He generally sees money come in against him in a lot of his starts. We'll see if that winds up being the case here again in 2020. Finally, Michael Waka, also now with the New York Mets, 476 ERA, 561 FIP, low walk or low strikeout rate, high walk rate. No command, but he was hurt most of last year, was never fully healthy, never really got into a groove. The Mets are taking some chances here on Waka, on Porcello, two guys with regression signs in opposite directions. I'm not thinking much of Michael Waka for this season. I do prefer Rick Porcello, but again, that was kind of an outlier season for Waka last year. If he figures some things out, maybe something of a positive regression candidate despite what the metrics from last year would say. So again, I will take an additional look at some more pitchers here on Thursday. Like I said, looking in a lot of ways at left on base percentage relative to strikeout rate, stuff like that. Again, what I'm going to do here on the betters box is I'm just going to look at a lot of pitchers in particular, and you should subscribe to the notes, Adam at bangthebook.com. I'm going to talk about a lot of these pitchers. By the time we get ready for the season, We're going to have a lot of pitchers into a lot of different categories here. Hopefully that helps us wind up having a pretty strong baseball season 
that we can carry over here into college football and the NFL, where, look, NFL season win totals are already out. The draft is supposed to go on as planned. Free agency stuff's going on. Uh, Bill O'Brien's already making dumbass decisions out there, trading Nook Hopkins to Arizona. Uh, look, you know, a lot of stuff going on in the football world. We'll cover it over at bangthebook.com. Baseball will come at some point, I hope. So we'll have you prepared for that. Just please stick with us. You know, I know it's a very difficult time. I know a lot of places are trying to fish for content, trying to find things to do. We love you guys. You know, you've always been loyal. You've always been loyal supporters of mine, whether it's on here on the show here, whether it's with the content at bangthebook.com. Stick with us. You know, just please stick with us as much as you can. We're going to ride this thing out. Anything you do to help us by patronizing the website, checking out our sportsbook reviews, all that stuff helps us down the line here. All that stuff, quite frankly, helps me as well. And, uh, you know, again, I just uh, I hope all your families are happy and healthy and safe. And we're all going to make it through this. It's just a matter of how long it's going to take. But I'm going to try to help you make it through it here with the betters box and with some content over at bangthebook.com. So, again, write these names down, research them. You'll find some value for your fantasy drafts for betting purposes. And I'll talk about a lot of these different guys as we go through the lead up here to the baseball season. I'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.